Your answer I heard a few days ago when I asked someone about his supplier's code of conduct was, I think they do not even know what it is. So what about your suppliers? In this episode, we talk about the power an implemented code of conduct can have. And by saying that, also what it means when it does not exist or it's just another piece of paper. Good to have you here. Corporate integrity, fraud, non-compliance and cybersecurity. Would you like to understand the root causes, detect threats and take measurements to protect the most precious assets? As a leader, you need to be prepared and stay actionable in the event of an incident. Sonia Sternemann talks in her podcast, The Human Factor. Corporate integrity matters. To leaders and entrepreneurs who want to have impact, foster corporate integrity, and act as role models. As an international expert for corporate governance and integrity, entrepreneur, and independent board member, she knows the challenges. Let her inspire you. Welcome back to this new episode of the podcast, The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. You might be an integrity enthusiast, a business leader, a corporate integrity council, or on your way there. I'm your mentor when it comes to corporate integrity with impact, founder of the Corporate Integrity Concepts and the Corporate Integrity Academy. With the vision to protect and secure assets, reputation and actionability, yours and the one of your organization. Why? Because corporate integrity matters. And now let's dive into the question, why having a code of conduct is never an alibi? Especially when we talk about all these documents not understood by most of the employees, suppliers and clients organizations work with. I'm convinced that an implemented code of conduct is essential to set the framework on what we do how, no matter what form such a code has. And as already mentioned at the very beginning, the topic was raised during a discussion with a client which had good reasons to end a relationship with one of his suppliers. But more on that later. Bringing up the topic code of conduct is often misunderstood as an additional regulatory paper created by one not understanding the business. I completely understand the aversion at some point, if the real power of such a tool cannot be seen. And exactly here I would like to start with, the power of having an implemented code of conduct versus an alibi. Even though the responsibility of the code of conduct is at the top, the executive board and management, it is even more important that it is understood by everybody. And with everybody, I do not only have the employees in mind, no especially also the entire ecosystem an organization is in and works with. Starting with the suppliers, the clients, the end consumers and many other stakeholders. So let us come back to the term itself. We, all, we call it the code of conduct. This meaningful paper or file in this day and age of digitalization, which is intended to regulate our actions and give a security in this regard. Who has never stumbled upon a family code or school rules? Every answer will be different. Anyone who participates in eco-economic coexistence will follow one or more codes of conduct. 
whether in the company for which we work or in the profession that requires additional regulation of standards. Examples are the public accountants and the fraud investigators, so-called CFEs, of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners with the Code of Ethics. But what exactly is a Code of Conduct? In the environment, how and where I work with, together with clients, our participants of the Corporate Integrity Academy, it is an essential component of the compliance management system. The Code of Conduct defines bindingly what has to be implemented by the employees of a company or organization. You might ask yourself now, but what does the Code of Conduct say? It must come sooner or later this question about the Code of Conduct and its content. Let's have a look at it and take up the order of the fraud life cycle, which I mentioned in last episode number 92. Preventively, if the code of conduct is designed in such a way that it can have an effect and protect the business, the most valuable assets of the organizations, but also relationships. And the second one, revealing or already investigative when it comes to identifying violations of the code of conduct. As part of my work as an expert of non-compliance and white-collar crime, these investigations also on the code of conduct are unavoidable, depending on the context and the questions to be answered. The practice shows a complex picture of answers and I would like to encourage you to take up the following framework as your take-home assignment for this episode. Imagine a decision tree we now go through together. We start with a very easy first question with the half. The first question aims to know whether a code of conduct exists. Oh, what I often see is that the eyes are already directed towards the ceiling on this question and the answer where, which comes is most of the time, yes, we have such a code of conduct in our company. And then a little but. The next step is about knowing what the code of conduct includes or says about it gets more difficult when it comes to remembering what is written in this code of conduct. Most of us said, yes, we have one, but don't know about it. Here with that question, I would like to offer you, and hopefully you, you do the same with your team, a helping hand. I just need to know the essential cornerstones that are so important to the company that they are regulated in a code of conduct. In practice, the answer is in more than 90% of the cases difficult question. I would have to look it up again. So people do not know what is said and written in the code of conduct. The third step is the understanding. This last point for an effective and preventative implementation of a code of conduct is in practice high level undisputed. But it is precisely this step from knowing to understanding that is needed to achieve the desired effect of a code of conduct. Employees and business partners will not be able to follow the rules if they do not understand what is, is expected of them. If you don't know about the expectation, you can never reach it. But with the described decision tree, you only have the first step from which I would like to invite you to the effective implementation of a code of conduct. The most important question will be, how do we build the bridge from having one to knowing to understanding? And the answer is quite simple. 
it is very individual. Yes, I know that is not what you what helps you immediately, but I it also relieves the pressure that this could be an exercise you just missed out. It takes and needs your knowledge of the entire business model to do so. No, there is no fully standardized questionnaire. Even though within the academy, we have an entire course of implementing an effective code of conduct. The simply copying of existing code of conducts, which can be found in the web, does not have the desired effect. Not at all. Often clients come back frustrated after having put the copy of the code of conduct onto their website and ask the employees to design it. With such an approach, the effectiveness will not be given because it's not tailored to your organization. And as you know me, there is no point in, in implementing something which is not goal-oriented towards prevention, detection or response to fraudulent behavior or non-compliance. And it is needed. And the impl implementation is the most, the most difficult and also the most important part of this exercise. Now, when the bridge between knowing and understanding needs to be built, the practical examples, dilemmas, settings, ecosystem, and many perspectives more are missing to show employees how to implement requirements of the code of conduct in their own daily business. It is not yet outlined and answered. For example, how they have to react to dilemma situations, how they receive support in the form of tools and personal support within the organization, and how to behave if they have to deal with corruption and bribery. This is just an example. The code of conduct, therefore, is rather a motive instead of an alibi. And I'm convinced that with the knowledge about these core elements, no code of conduct will become a pure alibi, but a signpost that will be correctly understood and, hopefully, also implemented by all those involved. Like a rack wheel, the code of conduct builds the connection between the different disciplines of a successful business model. My personal conclusion is that the code of conduct is rather motive instead of an alibi. That's what I already said. A tool and framework which supports and not burdens the actions and behavior of all involved parties. I'm sure you remember the decision tree of the take-home assignment. Maybe you could also implement it in your next session within your team, your business partners or other stakeholders. This was episode number 10 of The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. Following the belief, corporate integrity secures and empowers individuals and organizations. Would you like to learn more, meet peers and getting qualified? So visit the website Corporate Integrity Concepts or Corporate Integrity Academy. Or do you think this podcast could be interesting for someone you know? Sharing is caring and we are always happy to welcome your peers to our community. And if you like this episode, subscribe and don't miss any of the future ones. The show notes are, of course, enriched with relevant information and your connection via any of the social media channels is highly appreciated and will be answered. Promised. And please do not forget, topics of your interest or interview partners are highly welcome. Just send me a note on any of the channels you know. That's it from my side. I thank you for listening. My name is Sonja Stirnimon and I'm your host. Stay curious, actionable and a role model. Take care and goodbye.